Welcome to the Sonder Podcast, where we want to hear your story, a podcast about your life, what you live, what you go through, where everybody has an interesting story to tell. So please sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Tolu Amoba. Tolu Ayo, how are you? I'm fine. It is literally uh, two days till D-Day. Two days and counting. So, obviously, this episode, we're going to focus on the upcoming election. Um, I... I'm going to save my opinion. I'm going to sprinkle my opinion throughout the um, podcast episode. You know, this is free form, so it's not too structured. So, but I'm still going to sprinkle my thoughts here and there. I'm recovering because I just made a big breakfast, pancakes and eggs and all that. You know, so that's why I've been a bit delayed. That's fine. I actually, uh, I actually, uh, just about topic. I actually have been doing some. Ex- my own exercises lost about five pounds and I can, and my belly is as, as actually shrunk that I can actually look good in a two piece suit. So hey, keep it up, yeah. keep it up, bro. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. I've been trying to get out there more. I've been, I've been trying to get out there and run more, but anyway, that's neither here or there. We're here to talk about the election. All right. All right. So today is November 1st. 2020. November is a special month for me because I like to focus on men's health. So that would be that would be a whole nother podcast. But the election is in two days on Tuesday, November 3rd. And if you listen to CNN, if you listen to pollsters, if you listen to Fox News or CNBC, or MSNBC, actually, or nobody knows what's going to happen. I, I, I honestly think that people are just, just saying, just, just taking arbitrary information and, and, and using it to get ratings. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I tend to look towards the people on the street. I tend to look towards the people on the ground. I, I tend to drive through neighborhoods and I see the, there are Trump signs here and there are and this is Maryland. This is not, this is a democratic state, but I'm seeing a lot of areas with Trump signs. But at the same time, I'm seeing that record numbers of early voting is taking place, and you know, people are energized now, like they were when when Obama was running. So, I I I, I don't trust the polls. But let me ask. Let me turn the question to you. Who do you think? is going to win and why well before i ask you that question because that's a big question do you trust the polls well you have unpacked that well here's the thing one i don't trust the polls because the polls literally target likely voters it doesn't target unlikely voters disaffected voters um it, it doesn't target if they're going to leave the top of the ticket blank they may vote for one party down ballot, but are they literally going to vote for the top of the ticket? So they're just assuming that because of what's going in that, uh, for example, Joe Biden may win, but there could be a lot of people 
who are one of those that I will leave the top of the ticket blank. And I always learned that people should be cautious because, let us be real, both political parties, the two major ones, Democratic and Republican, do not serve the interest of the American people. They literally have found a way to essentially be in the minority and just be able to fundraise off of Wall Street, off of special interests, and now off of grassroots. It's basically, it's the promise of them able to do something. Both parties have just become a money-making machine. And part of that is essentially, and for probably to some of the media, is that they also get a slice of that pie because that's the way that they get to air their commercials. That's where they get their book deals. It's all just a money-making scheme nowadays. It really, unfortunately for politics, it's actually a detriment to your political career to try to at least help people, whether you are Democrat, Republican, Green Party, or Libertarian. Interesting. Um, so, if there is, before I get to who you think is going to win, if there's any source or any outlet that you believe you could trust the most, if, if that exists, <clears throat> excuse me, if that exists, any outlet, any news station, any Twitter follower or Twitter page, any, um, any, any source of information that you think you can, that would be most trustworthy, what would it be? Oh, that is a very, very hard question because, I mean, we could literally have an entire topic on journalism because everything now, it, it comes from everyone's own uh, bias, whether you are a progressive, conservative, centrist, moderate, corporate. So there's really like no one place to trust because everyone thinks that they are right. If I were to say, I would say go more international try to go to like Al Jazeera, I-24, which is Israeli's network, uh, Sky TV. I would really trust more international for polling because, you, you again, you really just don't know what is in people's minds, what is in there. I mean, to check, a, to, check um, to literally vote and check, a, it takes about seven seconds. So it's really, people may come in wanting to vote one way, but when they actually, you know, get inside the booth and it's just themselves and their thoughts, they may vote another way or they may just leave the, they must just leave part of it blank or may do a protest vote. So it is, it's really, really hard to honestly say because we've never been like this as recording right now. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. So you also have, mail-in ballots, early voting. So you have no idea how this is going to go. Again, are they leaving the top of the ticket blank? Are they writing another person's name in? Plus, there's also there's also a vote of voter nihilism with being the lesser of two evils. There's voter apathy. There's voter suppression. There's just a whole bunch of factors that people don't want to know or can really quantify what goes inside the average voters' minds. Yeah, and you mo- you mentioned international opinions, so I-, I trust international opinions too because they have no stake in the game; they have no bias. Well, I, I wouldn't say that they do have. Well, well, let me let me let me clarify. Let me clarify. 
people, the, the everyday people overseas. Like if I call my cousin in, in the UK or if they live in France or in Nigeria, they're going to be unbiased in who they think is going to win. They're going to say, look, I look at your country. I look, I look at what's going on. I see what's happening. And I think Joe Biden is going to win. Or I look at your country. I look at what's going on. I see what's, see what's happening. I think Trump's going to win. Matter of fact, uh, matter of fact uh, um, a young lady that we both know said plainly, looking at the U.S. from the U.K., she believes Trump is going to win. And I, I, I knew Boris Johnson was going to win when the U.K. elections were happening because I wasn't emotionally tied to the U.K., so I was like, I was like that guy Boris Johnson. He's probably going to win because they're they're very nationalistic right now. The, the, the fact that Brexit even got voted for shows a certain degree of uh, nationalism running through the UK. So I saw it. So I, I I would be interested to hear what people outside of the US would say if I asked them who do they think they're the, the the president's going to be. Uh, I can honestly tell you right now, they would say that both of them suck because here's the thing about politics internationally, whether you're in Europe, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, guess what they have? They have, you know, social welfare programs like universal health care. They have a living wage. They they have payment protections during any of these things even the conservative governments which are literally on austerity they're not going to go around and privatizing the healthcare sectors because they realize that the labor departments would literally go nuts plus there's also a sort of deprivatization of their media in many of these European countries, while they do have biases, it's heavily is regulated. They actually have true fact checkers. And quite frankly, a lot of our European brothers and sisters, our you know, Canadian and people overseas, are a lot more educated in this in this reality because uh, they have all of these programs and they can educate and they don't really think about politics all that much because they realize regardless of who is in charge, there might be things on social issues like immigration and, you know, guns and all that stuff. But on an international spectrum, so long as they're able to um, put food in their belly and be able to take care of themselves. And in fact, in many European countries, you can only like campaign for a certain amount of weeks. The, like, the campaigning season in the U.S. is at least uh, 18 months to three years. Uh, for many places, you only have about, at most, six months. And plus, many news outlets don't even cover the election so that they're not put as bias. So that's one of the reasons why, again, I tell you, it's a gigantic money-making scheme. Right, so I I agree with you. There are a lot of um, there are there's differences between countries in the U.S. and the outside the U.S. and uh, Canada and the U in the in Europe. Um, but I don't you paint the you paint those country countries a bit too rosy. I think those countries are suffering as well. I mean, we we've watched the news over the last couple of years and we've seen Greece and Germany and 
uh, Paris and, and France and you know what, what's been going on in, in in Europe and I don't I don't think it's that much better than what's going on over here. But that's a sidebar. Yeah, I gotcha. That's a sidebar. Um, they are, they do have more social programs, so they are affected less, depending on what you think less is, by these things than we are here in the U.S. But I um, I. I think I agree with you. I, I think uh, in the U.S. we've we've lived too good for so long. We're not as not as educated as we should be. We're not as politically engaged as we as we should be. We don't know the process as well as we should know. Um, if I may, it's, 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 it's by design. It's by design. It's by just to take your vote because we have essentially legalized bribery through various court decisions, through Bilotti versus Bank of Boston, through Berkeley versus Vallejo, and through Citizens United, which basically says that money is free speech and that literally when lobbyists give money to politicians, that is not a bribe. So the, the reason that I say this is because other countries, true, they may have corruption, but they don't have corruption to this immense brazen reality. It didn't, in fact, you actually have to be pro, essentially you have to be pro-corruption in order to win a seat in Congress. Okay, so let's put a pin in that. I don't want to go too long before we get to the main yeah. question. Because uh, we could talk about politics yeah. for hours. You know how we go. <laughs> we, can, we can go for hours. Um, who do you think is going to win? Uh, that is a million-dollar question. My money is on Biden to win, but that's with the giant asterisk. So let me tell you the main reason why. Number one, this is an anti-Trump vote. This is an anti-coronavirus vote. If Trump simply, all he had to do was take coronavirus seriously. In fact, the White House, and I mean like the staff has actually had a game plan the uh, United States Post Office to send every single American uh, one or two masks. If he simply just said, wear a mask, social distances, we don't have to close down, similar to what Japan did, similar to what New Zealand did, and just do that, then he would have been sailing to the next re-election, but he decided to listen to other people and care more about his stockholders. It's not that Joe is winning people over is that Trump is literally killing people. If it wasn't, let me make this clear. The coronavirus is dictating the presidency. That is who is basically voting for who is president presidency. Now, I say that with an asterisk because at the time of this recording, we have a 6-3 majority conservative on the Supreme Court. And three of, of those judges scare the crap out of me, which are Brent Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coden Barrett. Now, you may ask why. All three of them were lawyers that worked on the Bush v. Gore court case. Now, for those of you who don't know, Gore conceded before all of the votes were fully tallied in Florida, and he would have won the election. So my fear is that this will be challenged in the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will just say, stop counting the votes. There's already been illegitimacy for mail-in ballots and you know that there's going to be that kind of court case that kind of court opposition so 
are they going to weaponize the Supreme Court? That's, that is the million-dollar question. Yeah, and those are all Trump appointees, um, coincidentally. Um, yeah, I, I, the Supreme Court, the overwhelming majority of the conservative party in the Supreme Court, three of whom were picked by Trump um, personally, that's going to play a major... That could play a major factor in the the election. I'm going to hope that we don't get to that point. I'm going to hope that the country says no. We're not going to let this. We're not going to let the courts decide the election. Again, I don't. I don't. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but hopefully, we don't get to that point. Um, now, you've laid out your. You, you, you said that you believe Biden is going to win as a opposition vote to Trump. And the, the factor, uh, the fundamental factor behind that is the coronavirus yes. situation, right? There is no other reason why you think Biden will win. This the is election. strictly an anti Trump vote. L- let me make this clear. A ham sandwich could, if a ham sandwich was running on the Democratic ticket, people would vote for the ham sandwich over Trump. It's only because uh, that he has basically screwed up coronavirus so much that there was an act again, there was an actual game plan to tackle us. The Obama the the Obama administration had a game plan to tackle coronavirus. He's literally lied about the stuff about coronavirus. Over 200,000 people have died. And this isn't about ideology, this is about people's death. If, if this had happened under a democratic presidency, then we will be talking about another way around. This is strictly an anti-Trump vote and having someone that takes coronavirus seriously. Okay. Um, funny enough, I have a couple friends, a couple friends who will not vote for Biden. One of them told me um, specifically, he's going to go to the, um, he's going to go vote, go to the, uh, the the voting booth or whatever. He's going to write in the candidate. He's not going to vote for Trump. He's not going to vote for Biden. Uh, another one of my guys told me on a podcast actually, and I, and I I tried to put it out there, but the audio messed up. He we had a podcast where he explained why he voted already. For Trump, I have two other um, friends. One who's not going to vote at all, but if he if he voted, he would vote for Trump. And another one of my friends who is going who who will probably vote for Trump if he votes. I didn't. I don't. He didn't tell me if he was going to vote or not. But I am one hundred percent sure that if he gets to that polling booth, he's going to vote for Trump. I say all this to say there are a lot of Trump supporters out there that you may not have expected. Um, That alone makes me not certain that Biden will win. I'm not saying Trump's going to win. I'm just saying I'm not certain that it's going to be a landslide victory for Joe Biden. In any case, um, if I had to put money, if I had to wager, if somebody said you have to wager, there's no way out of it. I would probably put my money on Biden, right? Right. But I would require some odds. <laughs> I mean, 
this is not 2016 shocked the world. I don't know why anybody is so confident that Biden Biden is going to sweep it away. I think that Biden has several things in his favor. Um, and 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 you can jump yeah. in whenever if you want to talk about. This is sure. I, but, I can under well. The one thing is that it's the media because they were incredibly hostile towards Bernie Sanders and progressives and a lot of older black voters who simply wanted the Obama nostalgia and hate. I mean, it, it wasn't a single thing about Biden's policy. It was mostly he was Obama's VP. He was there and people wanted a security blanket and say, hey, this is the guy that defeated Trump. Now, I have my issues with a lot of things that Bernie said and did basically just giving the store. But I guess people wanted a security pamphlet. People wanted to go back to normal. Now, as you talk about 2016 shock the world, this is why people going back to normal. Normal normality is what gave us Trumpism in the first place was essentially a neoliberal corporatist order that basically says that, yeah, we can we can accept gay people and black people and, you know, Black Lives Matter and rainbow flag and, you know, anti-abortion. But pretty much it was the same neoliberal politics of ending the wars, a lack of higher wages, a lack of quality care. And people just said, you know what, we're sick and tired of most of our money just going to all of these big banks. So at the first time of revolt, the entire world revolted. People thought that, I mean, it, it, it literally was due, but that, that is it. And now people have realized, hey, let's at least go back to normal. But I fear that um, normality may wind us in a worse position. Well... I look look at it from a different perspective in Joe Biden's favor. I think Trump won the election because Trump, in his brazenness, in his machismo, you know, his lack of integrity to some degree, not integrity, um, a lack of his classless behavior, there were still white women out there who would vote for him more than they would vote for Hillary Clinton. I think white women were the underlining factors in Trump winning the last election. We knew white men were going to vote for Trump. That was, that was, that was obvious, right? Right. That was that, that's, that's not, that's not even a head scratcher. I mean, black guys would probably vote for Trump over, a white woman. Let's be That's honest, true, right? Let me check about that. Just that Hillary Clinton was an extremely flawed candidate. It's simply because you had this, and this is what Biden doesn't have. With Hillary Clinton, you have this sense like she is entitled to this, like she, that if you dare question her, then you are a sexist and she is entitled to this. And you have to remember, her husband wrote NAFTA. And during when she was part of the Obama administration, help push TPP, which outsourced a lot of manufacturing, a lot of good-paying jobs. And people who voted for Trump honestly believe he was going to give them back their jobs or had at least the decency to lie to them in their faces while that was just brazen. It was just while Hillary Clinton just did a giant middle finger. She did not campaign 
in any of the battleground states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania. None of those. He yeah. and of course they'd all blame Bernie for that. But it's just that she took advantage of people because she just expected to win. And again, if you did question her, you were a sexist. You were a misogynist. You hated women. You didn't want to see. This. You she basically made her campaign about I deserve this. I am the queen of identity politics, and Trump just literally just said f you to that. Yeah, and again, I, I Hillary turned off a lot of male voters, in my opinion. Let's be honest, um, a lot of conservative voters, a lot of uh, traditional voters, a lot of. Christians. She did all that stuff with Beyonce and Jay-Z, which I didn't... She was trying to appeal to black voters, but black voter, black voters were like, what are you doing? But um, staying on this topic of um, Hillary Clinton being a woman and that not helping her win the election, do you think Kamala Harris has done anything positive for Joe Biden's campaign? Well, th- that's a mixed bag because I think it's in the terms of when it comes to actual policy, no, no. But when it comes to political identity, it is because because there are a lot of black women, if you see on Amazon, that have a lot of problem with Camilla Harris. Don't let it fool you. There's a lot of black people. I mean, if you know her prosecutorial record, the woman was anti-marijuana. She was pro-cissel forfeiture. She put a lot of black people in jail. What, what reminds me is the case of Jamal True Love, which Vice News did, which was a black man who spent about, I believe, six years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. I believe the Innocence Project literally found that out and literally disregarded it because she wanted to keep her record. Another thing was not prosecuting Steve Mnuchin, the cur- Trump's current secretary, be- during the whole financial crisis of One West Bank. Her own department wanted to force her to, you know, prosecute him. And she said no. And One West Bank was actually her primary fundraising apparatus right. when she ran for the Senate. Right. right. We, we talked about this before, about her record. That, that's... That's, that's, um, that's known. You, 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 you did mention at one point the, the, what was it, the, the identity? Identity politics. Part of the politics, right. It's, I've seen, I've not seen women as, um, I didn't think black women could be more motivated, more motivated to vote for Joe Biden than until I saw Kamala Harris become the VP candidate. I think that was a smart move on Joe Biden's um, side. I think Joe Biden made it made a good decision there because, I mean, he weigh, he had to weigh out. Okay, I may lose some support over here, but I would gain all the support on this side. And honestly, if you if you if you lock down black women, you're going to lock down the black vote because black men don't come out as much as black women to vote. Um, black women won the elect. Black women voted like ninety something percent. For Hillary Clinton last time, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you, you know the numbers, right? They they were like ninety something percent uh, in favor of Hillary Clinton. Percent, they voted for her, ninety two percent, right? So Joe Biden, the, the, here, here here's where I feel like, and again, I'm not a, I'm not a political scientist. I'm just a guy on the podcast talking, right? But here's where I think 
here's what I think is the are the biggest factors. White suburban women are comfortable with Trump. I mean, are comfortable with um Biden, right? He, he's an he's an older Anglo-Saxon white man who's been in politics for forty something years. I think that's the key factor because white women, to me, um, was the key factor in Trump winning because more white women voted for Trump than America thought. White suburban women, white educated women, and white college educated men, right? That's another um, demographic that was big in the Trump election because honestly, a lot of men didn't vote and a lot of people didn't vote in that election, honestly. They were turned off by um, Trump and Clinton. I don't think Biden is that much better, but I think Biden is good enough to get to, to encourage those white liberals, white educated men, white educated women, suburban women. I think he can bring those guys, bring that group in. So then the addition of Kamala Harris now secures the African-American vote because they're securing the African-American female vote. A lot of African-American men will not vote for Joe Biden. But a lot of those guys weren't going to vote in the first place, to be honest, right? Right. But, but again, you, if I so, interrupt, but you're forgetting one major factor, the coronavirus. What the is, coronavirus. Oh, of course. No, no. that's the under... You're, you're right. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I but mean, go, go ahead. what I'm saying is just that they're voting to have someone who listens to scientists to the coronavirus. If it wasn't for that, a lot of people will just stay home because you just having a black VP without any policy. Because remember, people were still about butthurt about Obama and the fact about having the first black president and he essentially just selling out to Wall Street. So people forget that and people forget that. I think that especially people want policy because they realize that the skin, not every skin folk is kin folk. So I'm not saying that she does not bring the black community out. At least some people aren't doing that. I'm, I'm not saying that's not a smart move. But what I'm saying is that the driving factor is the coronavirus. It's just that it's really hard to quantify no. if it would happen because, again, this is just putting in someone competent that would handle coronavirus. I agree with you on that. I think. Coronavirus is a tipping point for me to put my money on Joe Biden. But I do think those other factors are important. But again, Trump could surprise us all, or Trump supporters could su- surprise us all and reelect him. So I, I, I am not confident. I am not 100% confident in my prediction that Joe Biden would win. But I, if I had to put money, if I had to bet, if I had to pick a candidate, I would probably pick Joe Biden. Um, now, do I like Joe Biden? That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Do I hate Trump? At this stage of my life, after four years of this man, I don't hate the guy. I don't think he's competent. I don't think he should be president. I don't I hate do. the guy. I don't, I don't like the things he says. I don't like the things he does. So, so <laughs> you just, yes. you just said you do. So that's, Go I guess why you I hate Trump. Trump. I mean, yes, I think he's a sexist. Yes, I think he's a racist, all of that stuff. But the reason Correct. that I hate Trump is that he basically just profited off of the pain of working class Americans, like especially people in the trades, especially people who are in manufacturing, who just want the American dream back, who just want 
the dignity of work back, and he promised them he was going to make their lives better. Now, we all know it was full of crap, and we all know that Hillary Clinton was not going to do anything about that. But the very fact that he essentially took their votes, took their money, because what do you realize it? Trump is the is by far the 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 Republican who has raised the most small dollar donations. He has raised the most small dollar donations on the Republican side than anybody else. And I guess I do take offense about it because these are people in like rural West Virginia who are on Social Security. And I'm not saying like all about West Virginians, but I'm just putting that on who literally have who literally had a had a decent job being a coal miner or working you know as an electrician working the trades their job got outsourced and they they're used to basically working like $22 an hour now they work at Walmart for less than minimum wage about like what 725 and they honestly did believe in this guy and the democratic party just wrote them all off as racists and I mean, hmm. because they all because because here's the thing, and that's a whole different segment. And that's a whole. I mean, let me just interject. I have Trump supporters in my family, not in the younger generation, in the older generation, and they're a hundred percent Nigerian. So, to broad brush all Trump supporters as racist, yeah, is silly to me. You know. But go ahead. What Continue. I was saying was essentially he just stole that hope. He, he stole that hope for a better America. That is what makes me angry. Is that? Hey, Tolo, can you can you stop for a second? Can you repeat that? You were a little fuzzy for for Sorry, a repeat what, that again. The main reason that I uh, that I hate Trump was essentially he stole the hope of working class Americans. Whether you are whether you have a college degree or you went to the trades or a non college degree, he basically stole your hope. He basically stole that the fact that you had a nice, strong union job and your job was outsourced to Mexico or to, you know, China. He promised to bring those jobs back. And four years later, people don't have their jobs back. And the Democratic Party has done nothing to literally help you. That is why I am angry. So are you angry at Trump or the Democratic but, Party? I'm ang- I I hate Trump and I Both, hate the okay. Democratic Party. Is, it, is there anything that you don't hate, well, bro? I don't hate you. <laughs> Most days. Okay, and the, the feeling is mutual. Um, but is there anything outside of me not hating you and you not hating me that you don't hate? Uh, is there any political party, political candidate, political ideology? Well, well I mean, anything out there? I do have my, I do have my critiques, but I definitely do like the progressive movement. Uh, you know, universal health care, living wage, UBI, federal jobs program that is solely needed in this country. I honestly wish they that not every, you know, Democrat, everyone, if D next to me, there's a lot of them who are enemies. And I will. And honestly, I wish that many of the progressive movement would taper down some of the social issues and focus more on the economics, bringing people that agree with you. I'm not saying that I change your views. But bringing people who agree with you who are uh, economically liberal but socially conservative, you don't have to always agree about that. But hey, I think we can. I think that they can bring a lot of these people in 
able to actually pick fights with leadership because leadership is unmistakably unpopular. And if a single candidate of a single member of Congress has the proverbial stones to challenge leadership, they would raise so much small dollar donations. You have no idea how many average voters hate leadership because leadership, regardless of political parties, is all they care about is fundraising and their own egos. And yeah, that's how, uh, funny enough, that's how it is in most um, government agencies, private companies, organizations that work is the same thing. But um, I agree with you 100%. I definitely think, and this is just me, I'm not saying, you know, I know everything. I think the Democratic Party needs to stop focusing on identity politics and start focusing, focusing on in, uh, economics, environmental, um, infrastructure, other things like just stop with the identity politics. Is pu- is pushing, to me, it's pushing too many people away from it, the Democratic it's not, Party. It's not only that, but it, it's also, that's a third of the problem. It's pushing the identity politics. That's one third of the problem. The other third of the problem is essentially fundraising off of the very same corporate institutions that the Republicans use. And ba- it, that's the one thing, is money in politics. And the third thing is what I find detrimental is basically propping up all of these, you know, woke identity politicians. Like, like for instance, you could have a black candidate who, you know, preaches Black Lives Matter, but is taking money from fossil fuel industries that, you know, pollute, that literally like pollute black communities. And that's why, honestly, in my own podcast, I talk about basically the biggest threat, like one of the biggest threats to the black community is the black political class. It's basically the, the, the multiracial political class, in my opinion, is the biggest threat to progress in America because their job is essentially to temp, is basically appease the white moderates in, in, in functioning institutions. So it's mostly, and that and is the promise of doing something and basically able to be in the minority and just raise money on how bad the opposition is. And then as soon as you get into power, the only thing you do is essentially cater to special interests. Right, and one of my, and I agree with you um, on the, well, I hear you on the um, black leadership, the black political leadership is a problem with the um, uh, community. I, and I listened to your podcast, actually, so I, I, I remember that. I believe that um, the black community is imploding from the inside. And the black political party is not going to fix the multiracial rainbow coalition is not going to fix the black community's problem when they're imploding from the inside, not the outside. Now, there are outside factors that, that hurt the black community, but the community is imploding from the inside, in my opinion. And until we can figure out how to fix that, no policy is going to help. And some of the policies are actually detrimental to the black community fixing their own problems from the inside. But, um, so you feel like Joe Biden will win the election. I feel like Joe Biden will win the election. None of us are 100%. Getting on here. 
Hello? None of us are 100%, but we do see we, we see a likely scenario where Joe Biden will win the election. And I think that's okay. I don't... Um, I said I didn't hate Trump. I don't hate... I try not to hate... I'm trying not to hate people. I'm, I don't agree with Trump. I don't like Trump. I don't agree with Trump. I don't think he's fit to be president. I don't think he's fit to do much of anything. I mean, honestly, except entertain. Um... Joe Biden has issues as well, but Joe Joe Biden's issues are probably more with just his age, you know. Yeah. But that's a whole nother conversation. But um yeah, I I, I I don't hate Trump. I don't hate Trump. I hate what Trumpism is. I hate how people use Trumpism. I hate the um the ideology of Trumpism. But the guy I'm like he's just a Trump is really a puppet to a certain degree, in my opinion, as are most politicians' puppets, like you said, to the corporate interests, um, to the to Wall Street and all that stuff. So that for that reason, I don't I don't hate the guy. I, I just wish I just think we'd be better off as a country, at least on the surface. Externally, we will look better with a with a different president than, than Donald Trump. But again, I think the Democratic Party has some work to do. For the Democratic Party to win me over 100%, I think the Democratic Party has some work to do. And I think the black community in itself has some work to do. I, I uh, understand know? that, but there are giant assets to what you want to do. Because here's the thing. The Democratic Party is not really interested in winning or governing. I, I told you earlier, both parties would rather be in the minority because they can just raise off of the, they can raise money off of the fear tactics of, of what the other party does. So that's why I tell you that these political parties is just a giant fundraising scheme nowadays just to get your money about all this stuff. And right. like they will tout, you know, and let me put it this way, they will put in a multiracial coalition, but if that multiracial coalition is subservient to white Wall Street, and if you dare question it, they will call you a racist. They will call you misogynist. They will vote shame you into basically like it's not our fault that we couldn't get the policies. You have to come and vote for us every freaking years, even though that politicians are public servants to the people. And a lot of politicians don't get that because the media and, you know, online have basically just uh, grandiose themselves made them so grandiose that that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I don't know too much about the inner workings of the politics and all that. I'm not so doom and gloom. I think if it was doom and gloom, we all would have perished <laughs> a long time ago. There, but I, I do there. think that things... <laughs> yeah, that's that's where we're different. I, that's where we differ. I don't... I don't, I, I don't... I think humanity has survived terrible things for a millennia. I think we're going to continue surviving these terrible things and we're going to come out uh, better or different or new or efficient, more efficient, but we're not going to perish. I mean, the doom and gloom is not the way I I choose to live my every day. I mean, I know I have a lot of friends, especially a lot of Trump supporters who believe in the doom and gloom. I don't believe in the doom and gloom. I believe in, okay, it might be uncomfortable for a while for some people, for a lot of people, 
but the majority of humanity is not going to perish or collapse. And if it and if it, some parts of humanity do collapse, it's going to build itself back up like it it, it always has. Because life will not continue. Life will not um, cease to exist. Um, but I don't want to make this podcast too long. I don't mean to shut shut you down. I'll give you some final thoughts on 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 everything we talked about because I don't want to end no, no, shutting cool. shutting you down. So you you it's, you got the floor. Well, you got the floor, bro. To be honest, I really don't know what goes on. Um, I, I I guess it's because I come from an international perspective. And the stuff that we keep arguing about, other nations have been able to do this. And I'm not even talking about rosy colored glasses because, like, we have a conservative government in the United States that doesn't even believe in climate change or global warming. Like, in, in the U.S., other conservatives in, in other countries, even if they believe in a market-based solution, at least believe in climate change. Uh, at least I'm not trying to privatize. So I guess it just comes to policy, and that is the entire. It's just policy to make people's lives better, and most politicians just care about their own egos. That is why it is, and there basically is a lot of not. There's a lot of voter apathy, voter nihilism, voter suppression, and voter shame that happens on both parties. That's that politicians are not servants of the people. They are to be kings and queens revered. And if you are not on that team, then you are a traitor. I agree with you on that. I do believe that we, we politicians brand themselves and we brand them as kings and queens and almost godlike figures when they're really supposed to serve us. They're not supposed to be the tallest, you know, prettiest, richest, you know, most well-to-do representatives of our community they're supposed to be civil servants you know and i think that's kind of where we lost track of how we we govern you know we govern based on things that that don't matter in my opinion i agree with you 100 percent. i agree with you 100 percent. is it yeah well, i'm good you think I'm it's good. safe to end there bro okay so i appreciate you i appreciate you jumping on the podcast it's always good to have you check out the tolu io show uh, podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Anchor. Um, he has his own podcast, so check him out. Uh, thank you for listening to our political jibber jabber here on the uh, Sonder podcast of Tolu Omoba. Pleasure. We'll see you guys again next time.